Welcome to Dialogue, a podcast of discovery, places and people that make up our country. In uh, this episode, I'm exploring the uh, iconic and legendary uh, Highway 395 in California. This is uh, one of the roads uh, less traveled and uh, not a part of California that you normally would see. This podcast is uh, part of uh, a new approach for um, an American mosaic and uh, some of the things that I'm going to be doing in the future, which are really going to involve uh, road trips uh, in the uh, camper van. The last uh, year and a half uh, with COVID uh, has... uh, shown us a lot of new uh, things that uh, we've discovered ourselves. We've uh, spent more time uh, thinking about important things to us and family. And uh, part of that is uh, the idea that uh, uh, we're doing things uh, that we haven't done in the past. And one of those things, for me anyway, is uh, reestablishing a relationship uh, with uh, my son on uh, probably a little closer than we've been in a long time. And that included uh, planning uh, a very interesting uh, road trip uh, together. It was an excellent opportunity to spend some uh, quality time. And uh, you realize that um, your uh, kids, uh, they learn a lot from you as they're uh, growing up. And um, then it becomes a time when, uh, as they get older, uh, you learn a lot uh, from your kids. I left the uh, planning for uh, this trip uh, up to my son, and uh, we had to work around uh, some you know, work schedules and uh, so on, that uh, we allocated uh, about uh, 12, 13 days uh, to the trip. And we're going to travel on uh, Highway uh, 395 in uh, California, and that's uh, in uh, the eastern uh, part of California, and part of it is in the High Sierras and uh, between uh, uh, the Sierra uh, Nevada mountain range and uh, another range on the other side. And then on the other side of that is uh, Death Valley, which uh, where we uh, ended up. The thing that was uh, going to make this trip uh, interesting is that we were going to do uh, what is called dispersed camping. In other words, uh, boondocking. So we're not really uh, going to be pulling into uh, designated camp uh, grounds or campsites uh, that are you know well maintained and that you pay a fee or that you have to have an annual pass for. So the places that we were going to go were uh, places that we were discovering. Uh, there's Forest Service roads and things that anytime you're on U.S. Uh, government land, BLM land, uh, U.S. forest land. Uh, you can stay uh, on that land and you can stay up to 14 days in one location. So we were really going to do some uh, what is called uh, also boondocking. So just uh, a little bit about the planning. Uh, First of all, uh, the camper van is a uh, Ford uh, Transit. um, And uh, Ford Transit is uh, a a very good vehicle. Uh, I would say that uh, that and a Mercedes uh, Sprinter van are the two best uh, conversion camper vans uh, that are available today. The Ford Transit I have has a diesel engine, and uh, that is very good for uh, traveling on the road because uh, it gets very good mileage. 
The only limitation at all is that you do have to plan where you are going to get your diesel fuel. And that just uh, involves uh, planning uh, between uh, destinations and uh, where there's a major place where you can fuel up. And uh, I just have uh, kind of a policy when I'm traveling is I never go below a half tank of fuel. So starting out on the uh, trip, the, the first uh, leg is always maybe the most uninteresting part because uh, that's uh, driving through uh, a, a lot of what is very familiar. And uh, for that part, uh, we just uh, sort of uh, pounded the road for about six or so hours to get uh, down into Oregon from Washington. And ultimately, I mean, we were going to drive about eight hours in the first day uh, before we would reach uh, our first destination where we would be camping. And on the way, uh, we wanted to stop at uh, Crater Lake. And uh, so we did that, and that uh, probably... Uh, that was about an hour uh, extra, but it was well worth it. It was a beautiful day, and uh, the lake was just absolutely amazing and, and always good to see. Our uh, trip uh, is, was in the uh, started in the first uh, week in uh, June, and uh, at uh, Crater Lake there was still uh, evidence of snow alongside the road. So uh, the snow had only. Uh, melted just uh, shortly before uh, we were there. As we were approaching uh, our first uh, destination, we saw a lot of burned forest. And uh, this is down in Oregon, southern Oregon. And uh, it was kind of surprising and uh, kind of eerie to be driving along the road and there'd be these great large swaths of uh, burnt forest and then uh, then it would be green again and then there would be another swath of uh, burnt forest and when we finally got to uh, the turnoff we were going to take a forest service road which was um, we had a map and a map program but it was a little difficult to find and we actually drove past it and had to make a u-turn and come back and we started driving in, and we were not uh, more than uh, a mile uh, in or even less. And then uh, we were all of a sudden in uh, burnt forest. And then we were driving, and we were wondering what we were going to find. And then we drove a little further, and then we were in uh, green forest. And then we drove around a little bend, and then we were back into burnt forest. And it turned out the uh, place where we were going to stay was uh, on one side of the road was a burnt forest and a very large area of that. And then on the other side, there was a little bit of green forest and uh, there was a small uh, little stream or a creek uh, by uh, the campsite. And it was uh, formerly a Forest Service campground that was no longer operating, but uh, a lot of these places where you can stay are like that. So there are uh, some places uh, where, uh, you know, it's cleared where you can park and places where people have set tents and, and things like that. But it was a little bit of a surreal, uh, kind of a weird experience, um, especially uh, as, as the sun was setting and um, then all of a sudden, uh, uh, the remaining uh, burnt uh, trees, uh, which have no green and mostly no limbs, uh, are sort of like a bunch of uh, black toothpicks. It, it's just kind of eerie. 
What was interesting is uh, they had come in, and and they, I'm assuming uh, that uh, Forest uh, Service people had come in and uh, did a lot of clearing and uh, salvaging, actually, uh, some of the trees. So there was uh, some piles of uh, uh, trees um, that had been burnt, but uh, maybe they were salvageable. But at any rate, they were uh, clearing, and then uh, there was a great deal of uh, ash that was just on the ground um, where, uh, where the remaining trees were standing, the burnt trees. So, again, it was just a, a very interesting uh, sight to see. The next morning, uh, we were up uh, very early, had a very quick uh, breakfast, of, uh, had our coffee, had some uh, instant oatmeal and uh, a yogurt, and we were on the way. And we were heading uh, to uh, Nevada, and we are heading down towards Lake Tahoe, and our uh, destination uh, would be uh, Sparks. And uh, from uh, Sparks, uh, about a half an hour uh, drive uh, from there, is uh, Pyramid Lake. And Pyramid Lake is very interesting. It's actually, it's on uh, an Indian reservation. And just a little ways uh, out of uh, Sparks, you enter the reservation. And as soon as you hit the reservation... Uh, there is uh, nothing but land, and it's uh, almost very uh, desert-like, and um, that's part of the attraction. And uh, the lake is a very large lake uh, situated uh, in this kind of desert-like area with uh, some kind of low mountains uh, kind of surrounding it, and there are only uh, 13 uh, camp uh sites or, or spots uh, available, uh, and you have to make a reservation uh, through the Indian reservation for a spot, and you have to do that prior to arriving uh, online, and you, you do pay some money for that. And we had taken care of that, and uh, it's a place called Tamarack's Beach. We arrived there about uh, four or so in the afternoon, just as uh, the light was getting uh, kind of interesting and uh, getting a little bit low. And uh, we uh, kind of lucked out. We found uh, a site that uh, was a little uh, uh, above the lake, kind of looking down and looking at the lake. Uh, There are some places right on the lake, but we thought it was much more interesting uh, where we were, and uh, we were also kind of tucked in uh, with uh, some rocks, uh, some rock formations uh, around us, and that was kind of nice. The other thing is uh, there was a lone tree, and uh, the tree was kind of a marker for uh, this spot, and it also uh, was great for uh, photography uh, a little later on when the light really got interesting. Since the next day drive was going to be only about four and a half hours uh, with uh, a little bit of stopping, uh, we decided that we could relax a bit. And uh, so we uh, got into making some serious dinner and uh, opened a serious uh, bottle of wine. There's a whole art form to uh, camp cooking. And even though uh, we're in uh, using the camper van, and the camper van has... Uh, a little two-burner uh, propane uh, a, a cooktop on it, and it also has a little sink, and uh, it has a fridge, and uh, the fridge is uh, powered by uh, uh, solar uh, panels on the roof. 
And then uh, we also uh, brought uh, a good, uh, very high-quality uh, ice chest uh, that we uh, kept in the van. So we had uh, cold food in, in two places. One of them relied on ice, the other on solar. Anyway, uh, dinner was uh, done outside because we like to uh, be outside. So uh, we've got a great uh, two-burner uh, Coleman stove and uh, a table that... Uh, folds up out and uh, cook on that and we've got folding chairs and um, it's actually it's very very comfortable anyway the cast iron skillet came out and uh, the steaks were cooked in that um, the other uh, pan uh, was the uh, the potatoes uh, that were done on that and the asparagus and for uh, anybody who's into uh, outdoor camp cooking, uh, highly, highly recommend uh, a cast iron skillet. A 10-inch uh, cast iron uh, skillet, well-seasoned, serves many, many, many purposes. It had been a uh, beautiful, uh, clear day, and it was a clear night. And uh, I was up uh, just before daybreak uh, having a cup of coffee, uh, walking around and uh, just uh, looking at the stars, and then the the sun uh, rise was was amazing. It was coming up, and that first light uh, on the mountains and on the lake. And by the way, that lake, uh, the blue, the color uh, blue of that lake is just absolutely amazing. So we're uh, now on our way to uh, Bodie Bodie State Historical Park. And um, Bodie is a uh, ghost town, and it was a uh, mining town, and it's at a very, very high elevation, and it's uh, a little bit of work to get there, but well worth it. Uh, Bodie is in uh, California, uh, very near the uh, Nevada border, and uh, Bodie was established uh, in uh, the mid-1800s, uh, and uh, with just a few uh, miners, maybe 20 or so, and then it grew to about 10,000 um, by uh, the late 1800s. And anyway, it's a very interesting place to see, and uh, it's been preserved. Uh, it's a very high elevation. Again, it's uh, uh, well over 8,000 feet. So it's quite a drive to get up there, and uh, you know you're gaining elevation, and you're going up some switchbacks, and you feel like you're driving up a mountain, uh, but a mountain uh, without trees, really. And uh, when you get there, uh, they've got all of these uh, buildings that have been pretty well preserved and, uh, and restored. Uh, but it's not uh, corny. You know it's not Disneyland. Uh, there's something very authentic feeling about the place. And uh, yes, there are tourists. But at the same time, um, there uh, was not that many people. And it was very interesting uh, walking around and uh, checking out some of the old buildings. It was a, a really good experience. It was something that I would highly recommend. And then from uh, Bodie, we headed to the uh, Mammoth uh, Lakes area where we were uh, going to be spending uh, the night. And there we found um, 
a uh, again in in a forest and uh, a forest uh, service uh, type of uh, camping area, but yet it was on uh, basically uh, the national forest land. So again, it was not a uh, official uh, campground, and we did have about uh, three or four. Uh, little uh, roads that uh, we could pull into and find a place and uh, I think we uh, is the second third one that we pulled into uh, we found something to our liking and there was no one else there uh, and then uh, one other uh, uh, car or vehicle um, had come in and uh, we didn't even see that so basically again uh, these kinds of places uh, you can have all to yourself so uh, the morning was leisurely uh, because we did not have uh, a big day, a big driving day ahead of us. And um, we had uh, a kind of a real breakfast. Uh, again, the cast iron skillet was out and uh, we made a kind of an amazing uh, scramble. So uh, our plan for the day was uh, we were going to um, head to the uh, bristlecone uh, pine forest and uh, that's kind of a very special place and along the way um, we passed through uh, a town uh, bishop and uh, I wish that uh, we had uh, a little more time uh, ahead because unfortunately we did have a little bit of an itinerary and, and we had to make uh, a certain amount of uh, road uh, between places uh, or we were not going to do everything uh, we needed to do to actually make the return trip. So uh, the town of Bishop was um, just absolutely a cute town and there was a rodeo going on and I really, really wanted to stop because I have a, a thing about rodeos. Uh, but uh, Bishop, uh, definitely, if you're doing a Highway uh, 395 trip, uh, Bishop is a place where you'd uh, definitely want to stop, if nothing else, uh, have a coffee, have a beer, uh, have a lunch, or have a dinner, or, or maybe stay. After uh, driving uh, past uh, or through Bishop, uh, the terrain is starting to get a little bit different, and uh, you realize that uh, you're in this kind of like a large uh, valley uh, or a very flat area uh, with uh, mountains on your right-hand side that are very steep, very impressive, which are the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains. And then you're uh, looking across uh, this great flat area at another mountain range. And um, I believe this is kind of called the great, uh, we're in a great basin area, and I don't know uh, what the name of this valley is, but uh, on the other side uh, of the mountains uh, to the east is, uh, you get into uh, Death Valley. Anyway, this is uh, the area that we're going in and uh, then uh, realize that uh, we are at an elevation of, of about 4,000 feet. So uh, we're driving in this vast, flat area, very empty, by the way, uh, sort of high, high plain desert or high desert uh, at, uh, at about 4,000 feet. So we are headed to uh, the uh, ancient uh, Bristlecone 
pine forest. And uh, we're uh, looking for uh, our first landmark, our first town, uh, which is going to be called Big Pine. And that Big Pine uh, is where we take a left turn and then head across this vast flat area. And then that will be climbing up into the mountains uh, that we were looking at on the east. As uh, soon as we uh, started uh, climbing just a little bit uh, in uh, what was the beginning or the foothills of those mountains, uh, we knew, uh, I knew that we were going to be doing some very serious climbing. And uh, the road got very interesting. It had, uh, we were getting into a lot of turns as some uh, very narrow places uh, between some rock formations. And uh, then pretty soon it broke out of that and uh, some more climbing. And then uh, we got into some switchbacks. And we were then totally out of anything that resembled any vegetation. And we were uh, on our way up to um, the uh, ancient uh, pinecone forest. But uh, then again, there were vegetation, there were some trees. And then we realized that uh, the trees were then uh, these... Um, uh, ancient pine uh, trees and uh, there's another tree uh, that I do not know the name of um, that is similar looking but it is not one of the ancient pine trees anyway uh, the road uh, was just amazing and the views and uh, the, uh, the elevation you just knew we were getting up high and uh, the actual visitor center for uh, the, the pine uh, forest is at 10,000 feet. And uh, where uh, we pulled in the camp and we did find a place to camp uh, was at about 8,500 feet. The views from our uh, camp area was just uh, spectacular because of the elevation. And again, we had uh, uh, clear uh, skies, uh, just uh, a cloud here and there. We were extremely fortunate uh, with the weather. And we were also very fortunate with the weather temperature because the time frame when we chose to take the trip happened to just be at the end of a very, very hot uh, spell that uh, a week or two before, and um, so we caught it just perfect. I might uh, mention that uh, it was noticeable uh, at boiling water uh, for cooking and for coffee and for cleanup. Uh, it takes longer for water to boil uh, when you're over 8,000 feet. So, uh, again, uh, this was going to be a, a very uh, leisurely day. Uh, we had uh, only uh, uh, an hour and a half, uh, no more than two hours uh, worth of driving ahead of us. So we had our coffee um, and uh, kind of sat around and enjoyed a little bit of the morning. And um, then we headed uh, back down uh, that very steep, switchback road and um, stopped along the way uh, and I wanted to take some photos and a little bit of uh, video uh, while we were driving and uh, again just the views and the vistas uh, were spectacular so we came back down uh, and the road came back down uh, on onto the highway to um, to 395 and uh, our next stop uh, was uh, going to be uh, Alabama Hills. And uh, 
to get to Alabama Hills, you go down the road to the next town, uh, which is, is called Lone Pine. It was uh, time to uh, think uh, about uh, fueling up uh, the van, and uh, Lone Pine seemed uh, like the place to do it. We also uh, decided that uh, we were going to treat ourselves uh, to a breakfast and uh, decided that we would also see if we could find a place in uh, Lone Pine to do that. So uh, I spotted a place uh, that uh, had diesel, and it also looked like a place that had uh, enough traffic so the diesel would be fresh. So we stopped in there and uh, topped up the tank, and uh, while we were there, I got a tip on uh, a good place to eat. After our uh, breakfast, uh, we uh, found a uh, kind of a, a supermarket, a market store. We uh, stopped and we uh, got in there and we got some fresh ice for the uh, ice chest. And uh, we also uh, picked up uh, a dozen eggs because we were running low. And um, kind of stocked up for uh, the Alabama hills. But uh, while we were there, we were talking about uh, the fact that uh, we were right by a very near uh, Manzanar, Manzanar being uh, the, uh, one of the first of the internment camps uh, where Japanese Americans uh, were held during uh, World War II. And I knew a little bit, uh, certainly, about that uh, being uh, a resident on Bainbridge Island, and Bainbridge Island is where the first group of Japanese Americans, uh, I think around 270 or so, were uh, rounded up uh, on very short notice uh, and uh, were allowed two suitcases and um, put on a boat off of uh, Bainbridge. And anyway, that was the beginning of... uh, being uh, shipped to uh, Manzanar, and then also some other camps. But Manzanar being one of the first, so uh, definitely wanted to go there and take a look. I'm not sure uh, what I was expecting uh, at Manzanar, uh, but we uh, arrived. uh, There was a sign uh, out uh, by the highway. Uh, We pulled off and went in, and... um, when we drove in, there was a, a parking area, and there were uh, two uh, buildings, uh, kind of uh, barracks-style buildings, uh, which had actually been reconstructed. They were uh, modeled after the existing buildings. There are no existing buildings uh, there. Nothing has been was saved or preserved. Anyway, in uh, each of those uh, buildings, uh, there were... Uh, uh, kind of an interpretive uh, displays of uh, one had uh, kind of a setup like this was where the people lived, this is how they lived, it had the bunks, it had even had some furniture and furnishings and old suitcases and it kind of propped up. Uh, and then it had uh, some information and some uh, stories and photos and things like that. But uh, the most interesting part was really is uh, you could drive down a part of the roads and you could actually drive around uh, the whole perimeter of the camp. And uh, they had uh, little signs, uh, little markers uh, out that designated uh, each one of the uh, building sites or lots. 
And um, as we were driving along and just looking at these, there was a sense of what it might have been like. And it seemed kind of strange, and it did not seem like a place where you would really want to be. Um, they had activity centers, they had school, they had uh, things, but it's a concentration camp, uh, and that's exactly uh, what it was. And the place where it was in this kind of high desert uh, with hardly any vegetation at all, uh, with mountains uh, in your face, not far away. Um, it was there. Uh, there was a there was a feeling that just uh, came over both of us, um, and and a silence. There wasn't much to say. It was mostly just looking and kind of what we were feeling. And that was the experience, is what we felt by doing that drive around and looking at these places where buildings once existed, where there were still some concrete slabs and uh, cracks in the concrete and cracks in some of the roads. Um, That was it. It took us a little while to shake that experience or the feeling that we had. Um, anyway, we headed uh, back. Uh, we had to backtrack a little bit back to uh, the uh, Lone Pine um, and uh, where the turnoff was to go to the Alabama Hills, which uh, actually is um, just a very, very short drive uh, from uh, the town. But it's going off into uh, this area, and you can you we could look ahead up the road and um, some very very interesting rock formations. And uh, the closer we got, the more interesting the formations. And uh, a little background: Alabama Hills uh, is kind of a famous place, and uh, it was uh, the place where many westerns. Uh, have been filmed uh, starting um, back, I, I believe, even in the 20s and then into the 30s. And uh, some very interesting stories. And this was when uh, they were still making uh, silent films and uh, transitioning you know, into uh, films with sound. But some of the stories... Um, one of the stories that uh, we uh, later looked up, and this is very interesting, is uh, the fact that uh, Wyatt Earp, uh, the legendary Wyatt Earp, um, was a consultant in his later years at the end of his life for Hollywood and Western films. And then the story goes that uh, John Wayne, a very young John Wayne, um, was involved somehow or another uh, very early uh, at a young age uh, on the set or doing something with a Western. And somehow or another, there's a connection with uh, John Wayne and uh, Wyatt Earp. But anyway, back to the Alabama Hills, there was... uh, Probably there's a uh, hundred uh, films uh, that uh, or programs and things that have been made there. Um, it's just great place. 
and it's it's an amazing place to walk around and an amazing place to uh, spend a couple of nights. We were uh, fortunate that uh, we arrived uh, pretty early, so we had a little bit of time to kind of uh, look around and find a spot. Again, this is one of those kind of places where uh, it looked in the end that, uh, you know, there might have been uh, 10 to 12 uh, spots that were... uh, kind of pretty neat to uh, to get and uh, we found a place um, that had a great vista and uh, that's kind of what we wanted we were in one direction we were just looking at some amazing stuff and rocks and um, we could see uh, uh, a little bit of a trail that went to uh, a place called Arch Rock and then we could also look around in another direction and uh, there was a uh, a kind of a road or how about a wide path or something but uh, it's kind of what they called stagecoach road and that was where they filmed a lot of uh, those stagecoach scenes that you see in westerns and then we could look uh, the other way and we're looking right smack at this amazing uh, mountain range so the spot we picked was great. Uh, it had one downside, and um, it was uh, it was kind of windy, and uh, so we set the van so uh, when the slider was open that uh, the wind was hitting the other side. But we couldn't put the out, the awning uh, out because uh, there was just too much wind. I think that uh, the Alabama hills. Uh, might be uh, pretty close to my favorite place uh, on the whole trip. Anyway, it was uh, an extremely interesting place, and I think uh, for me uh, it's it's the rock formations, and um, it, nature just does some amazing stuff. It uh, is not dissimilar to maybe a, a little of what you would find in, uh, you know, in Utah in the Four Corners area, uh, particularly this uh, one, this thing that they call Arch Rock, uh, which uh, we walked on the trail to uh, take a look at that, and it's it's very interesting because it is uh, actually it's a natural uh, kind of a rock bridge, uh, kind of a mini version of uh, what you would see uh, maybe in the Utah area. I also think that uh, this really highlights uh, the advantage of traveling this way when you are not going into state parks, national forest campgrounds, all the places that everybody goes to. Uh, This is a place that's a little out of the way. Uh, You've got to work a little bit to get there. And uh, when you go in, uh, you just find a spot and you find a spot uh, that you can uh, pull into that's uh, level if you have a vehicle or you could tent camp or whatever you wanted to do. And these are the kind of places where you can come in and uh, you can, again, you can spend uh, the 14 days. Uh, This is, I think, an excellent, excellent way to uh, see the country. I think that I want to also add this as is very important is these kind of places they do not have places to dump garbage they do not have most do not have toilets this place happened to have uh, some uh, uh, Santa Cans outhouses and uh, but most places don't and the thing is is 
you pack everything out. You don't leave your garbage. And that's one of the things that's kind of a courtesy. And uh, the more people that uh, come to these places, uh, that's really, really important. So uh, now we're uh, on our way uh, from Alabama Hills to uh, Fossil Falls. And uh, from Fossil Falls to uh, a place called Trona Pinnacles. And uh, to get there, uh, we're driving again uh, over some mountains. So we're gaining some elevation, and then we're coming uh, back down uh, into uh, an area uh, or a valley uh, called the Cyril's Valley. And uh, this is very high desert-like. And uh, we turn off a uh, surface road onto uh, a dirt road to uh, head to Trona Pinnacles. And it's uh, about uh, a half an hour, uh, 40-minute drive to get to Trona Pinnacles. And uh, we're going along, and it is dry, and uh, it is dusty, and uh, eventually up ahead, and you see mountains on the left and mountains kind of on the right in this big valley. Um, up ahead, uh, you start to see some formations, and uh, that is the Trona Pinnacles that we're coming on. And uh, when we kind of came up there, um, we uh, didn't see much of a place to uh, camp, or it was very exposed, very open. So we stopped and, and we got out. And uh, when we got out, uh, it was uh, apparent that the wind was blowing and it was quite strong and uh, big gusts of wind. So we walked around the area and kind of in and around uh, some of these uh, rock formations that they call the pinnacles. And uh, we just made the decision that uh, we were not going to stay there. Uh, we didn't want to battle with the wind, and uh, it just didn't seem uh, that inviting, interesting to see. Uh, but we decided to press on and uh, head off to our next uh, destination. I should uh, quickly add that, uh, once again, uh, this is a Hollywood kind of place. Uh, some very the early early uh, early Star Trek uh, some episodes were uh, filmed at Trona Pinnacles. It definitely looks like another planet. So we're uh, headed now to our next uh, destination, uh, which is uh, Furnace Creek Death Valley, and uh, we have a little bit of uh, a drive ahead of us. Uh, since uh, we're a little bit, uh, you know, later in the day because uh, we were planning on staying, uh, you know, at the Pinnacles. So uh, once uh, we got back on the surface road, uh, within just a few minutes, uh, we come to Trona, the actual uh, town of Trona. And uh, it's very interesting. The first thing that uh, we come upon is uh, there's an old structure. Uh, it looks uh, very, very early, a wooden structure, abandoned, uh, sort of a ghost town kind of thing, just kind of sitting there with this vast uh, death 
like valley uh, around it. And then just a little after that, come upon the town itself in the town. Uh, there's a uh, big um, manufacturing uh, plant of some sort. And then there seems to be another one. And uh, then uh, there's a town. And uh, the town has uh, what looks like a bunch of abandoned uh, structures and um, actually abandoned homes. And then there's a cyclone fence around a lot of this, a lot of the town. And there's a, a grocery store that was a large market uh, that is abandoned and it has uh, grass growing out of uh, the parking lot. Um, and there's a cyclone fence around it. And then there's a school that is abandoned and it has a cyclone fence around it. And then more homes in disrepair. And then occasionally uh, there's a house with someone living and another house. And then there's another part of a manufacturing plant. And uh, it turns out that uh, this seems to be a ghost town in progress, uh, the making of a ghost town. It was very, very, very strange, and I've never seen anything quite like it. Uh, parts of this abandoned and then fenced off, and then spots and places where people are living, but where they're living uh, is uh, in like poverty conditions. Uh, some places where a house that someone's occupying might have a broken window with a piece of plywood over it, uh, that kind of thing, uh, untended yards, and um, just junk piled here and there. Um, very strange. Again, this is Trona, Trona, California. Um, later on, afterwards, uh, when I got back home, I spent some time doing some research. And um, Trona, and this, by the way, also what we saw was a lot of these uh, big, flat, white areas, uh, sort of like salt flats. Um, it turns out that uh, Trona was uh, is a, a manufacturer of uh, bor uh, borax, anything borax, boric acid, um, and and various products related to that. So it is this uh, uh, chemical or natural uh, resource that is mined off of uh, this desert area and then processed. And apparently this town of, of uh, Trona at, at one time had uh, five, six, seven thousand people. It was a, a company town. And that would be the only reason anyone would be there because it is miles and miles and miles from anything. So anyway, we're now headed to uh, Furnace Creek and then... Um, on the way, there's some uh, there's some serious uh, again some mountains uh, that uh, we need to go over, and there is a uh, pass, and um, I think the pass uh, is the elevation is uh, somewhere around uh, 6,500 feet, um, and uh, it's a bit of a pull. Uh, uh, to go over it and uh, definitely know and we're also getting into some uh, pretty warm country because right over when we drop down on the other side we're in uh, death valley so uh on the way uh 
we go over and uh, we're now coming down uh, into the Death Valley area and um, continuing along. And uh, there's a, a small place that, uh, according to uh, the information, um, had a place where we could fuel up. And I'm getting a little concerned because I do want to get some fuel. Well, it turns out that uh, they only have one pump and one flavor of gas, and uh, so there's no diesel. So the next stop is Furnace Creek, and uh, it shows that there is fuel, so uh, kind of hoping for that, and uh, press on. And uh, at Furnace Creek, uh, there's uh, quite a few things there. There's actually uh, kind of a a little bit of a semi-fancy place to stay, and... um, Definitely uh, some population and some things there. And there is a uh, fuel stop. Uh, It's not an open gas station. It is a place that uh, has uh, quite a few pumps and uh, just a place that uh, processes uh, and you can buy fuel. So they do have diesel, and uh, I did uh, need to get some because I needed about three-quarters of a tank. So, uh, and it was uh, very, very expensive, but uh, that's the way it is. So about another 20-minute drive, uh, it was a a place that uh, we had uh, marked for where we were going to turn off. And again, this is uh, an area that's uh, then uh, just a a gravel, uh, very unimproved uh, kind of roadway. And we went in there for uh, over a mile. You have to go over a mile uh, from a, a main road before you can uh, do dispersed camping or, or boondocking. So we uh, came into this place, and it was kind of interesting. Again, some interesting rocks. And by the way, there's a lot of rocks and in, in formations in Death Valley. It's not all just one big flat place. And uh, we found a place uh, which was great because there was some rock that could serve as a windbreak for us. And we uh, kind of tucked into a a really good little spot. And it also provided shade from the afternoon and provided a windbreak. So uh, we were uh, very happy about that. And that's where we made our camp for the night. I might add that the daytime temperature there was uh, about 104, and that's not excessive heat, and it's very dry. And also that night, uh, the temperature got down to uh, about 80 degrees. It had been uh, a a very interesting day uh, since we had kind of uh, changed our plans a little bit. Uh, One of the things uh, I should mention is that uh, cell service, it's amazing how sometimes there's cell service and sometimes there's not. And um, since uh, we had uh, two different uh, sets of cell phones, we had uh, AT&T and we had Verizon. And it was interesting to see uh, which ones would work. And they didn't always uh, work at the same time. But uh, we did have some cell service in our uh, campsite at uh, Death Valley. And uh, that resulted in a uh, communication that uh, there was a family emergency. And uh, that was really bad news. And um, we weren't sure exactly what we were going to do uh, as a result of that. 
So uh, we decided to think about it, and uh, it was uh, time to start thinking about dinner, and uh, we made a, a, a really nice dinner and uh, opened a bottle of wine and um, got into that and uh, then thought about what our plan would be uh, going forward, if, or if we were going to continue on our journey or we were just going to scramble and uh, get out of there and get home. We decided that uh, we were going to get out of there and get home. And uh, our planning uh, showed that we had about 17 or plus hours of uh, driving. So we knew we were going to get up very, very early in the morning and start the first big day driving. Our first uh, day driving took us to uh, Tool Lake uh, in California, and it's uh, in the uh, northeastern part of California, uh, very near uh, the border uh, with Oregon. We uh, spent the night and then uh, got up early the uh, next day, and uh, we headed home. Even though we had to uh, cut uh, our trip short, um, we had a great time. It was a great opportunity for some father-son bonding. Well, that's it for uh, this episode. Um, there will be more uh, trips uh, coming up, and uh, this is uh, basically what uh, this podcast is going to be about going forward, is exploring uh, places. And along the way, there will be some conversations with some people. Thank you very much uh, for listening, and uh, please subscribe if you get a chance.